0: you need to be known for providing value and expertise in something that can shift but you shouldn't talk about like 20 things at once that all still applies on social that's super important i don't think that you necessarily need to pick a niche but you definitely need to pick general topics of things that you're going to be talking about
1: well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today on Mind Your Marketing, Erica Schneider, social media coach and creator, joins us on the show to talk about bro social, how to avoid it, what hooks are in your social media content, also how she approaches content creation and some of the advice that she would give to people who are looking to build on social media. So if you're looking to do that, hang around. This is a great episode. Now Before we get into that, this is the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Shelton. And I just want to say thank you today. Thank you for listening to us on the show. We put this together. We're now in our 240th something episode would not have been possible without you, the viewer. There will be no sponsored part to this post. I just ask that you share this post with one person who's trying to grow on social media. Share this post, share this episode with them, see what they think. And if you have any notes on it, please hit me up on Twitter or LinkedIn as well. All right, now let's sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Erica, welcome to the show.
0: Good to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you on. I want to hop in right away and tell me what the hell is bro social? How do I not do it? Just kind of outline what it is and what what can I avoid to make sure that I don't become one of these bro social people on you know Twitter or X, LinkedIn, etc.
0: Bro Social is douchebaggery at its finest. It's like a circle jerk of all of the assholes at the gym, like shooting up testosterone, but somehow they're writers, which is very confusing. So like their persona is, I'm going to teach you how to write well, but they're also at the gym. They're taking cold showers. They're waking up at 5am. They're journaling all the time. They don't drink and they are absolutely completely obsessed with themselves and obsessed with telling everyone that they're better than everyone. And if you just follow them, you can also be better than absolutely everyone too and rule the world.
1: It's so funny you say that. So like I played college sports, I got into all of that stuff. And I, when I was like 25 was writing for Ink Magazine, had no business writing. And I remember I wrote something on morning routines, which now I think is hilarious. Now, 10 years later, I'm like, what a douche I was. But I wrote this thing on like, you know, my morning routine. Mm-hmm. And the first person comment and it was like, well, you don't have kids. And I was like, Like, oh, I need to reframe how I even approach if I'm going to give advice to not everything is for the 25-year-old single dude Mm -hmm. who has you know, infinity time on their hands. And it's just such a, yeah, it was a very self-absorbed, you know, piece that still, if you search how to wake up at 5.30 in the morning or 5am, it'll probably be at the top of Google. But I hate, I hate all of the words that I wrote. And I'm just like, oh, cringe to like the nth degree. Yeah. This bro social side of things has taken over. And I think there's people gravitate towards it because it's very similar to like multi-level marketing Mm-hmm. Scams you see where people are promising riches and join my copywriting course, but then also resell my copywriting course. I think this is part of this that isn't really out there. That there's a whole model about affiliates They can get Andrew Tate esque very quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now, out of this, you know, people who've just discovered one physiotherapy from the 1980s and sl- and that eight hours of sleep is important. <laughs> um, how would we tell people to? I guess, what's the other path if somebody wants to grow on social? Because these people that are out there doing that, the broetry, it can be... Look, they sing a good song and it gets to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of combat that or say, hey, don't put that... Let's not do that. There's another way forward. How... If I came to you and I was like, I want to grow on social, you know, what are those first steps maybe that I should take that aren't the path to brodom?
0: Yeah. So I would say the most important thing is to prioritize authenticity and that word gets used a lot so it's kind of like some people are like fuck authenticity and it's like okay well all it means is showing up as you and like feeling like you're being your true self in what you put out there so if you are reading something that makes you feel cringy but you see that it works quote-unquote works because it's getting a lot of engagement but it makes you feel like shit. Don't do it. <laughs> like that's like the first piece of advice. People come to me all the time and they're like, "I know it works. I don't like it, but I'm just copy-pasting it because like I think that's what I'm supposed to do, but it feels weird." It's like just don't do that. Just just start by sense-checking yourself. Like, am I happy with what I've just written or do I feel like an absolute asshole? If the answer is no and yes, like take a beat. I think that a lot of the bros are playing a bit of a character of themselves. They might be young and like just not know better. But I think that they lean into this... You know people become like cult leaders and people get obsessed with them and then they're just like, they've got like this God complex. Like I think there's a lot of that there. There's a lot of ego invested in it. I don't even know if they know why they're doing it anymore, but they're just kind of like this tumbleweed rolling down the hill of like, this sort of works, people like me. This is where I get my self-love from, is like from these people. If I lost it, I would be an absolute mess. And the best way to show up consistently... And feel good about it and have fun and build meaningful relationships is to, yeah, like not play a character of yourself is the best way to put it. You don't have to play a character, you can just be yourself.
1: It's so true. And I think off of that, there really is the this push where a lot of these people are doing what I call like, look at me social, just look at me, look at me, look at me versus look at how I can help. And yeah. if you're a marketer and you're looking at these people, a lot of times how they maybe built their personal quote unquote brand is it wouldn't actually apply to like a company or mm-hmm. it wouldn't work for a company. And it would have to be a completely different strategy and layers of approval and legal and everything, you know, if you're selling a physical product. Yeah. so. I always try to take those people at face value. And you're right with the self-grandizing tweets. Like one of these guys was like, oh, you're insignificant. If you left the world, blah, blah, blah. Like it was like one of these things. And I'm like, okay, men are committing suicide at like a crazy rate. Actually, no, your friends and family will miss you dearly. Like, you know, don't. And there's like the only time I've popped off at one of these people because I'm like, they just annoy the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then it was like, oh, that's the flood of a, then it opened up the door for like, 50 other people to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, they sometimes a little bit of just pushing back against that, that you really see that there's a lot of people who are feeling that same sentiment. yeah. And then they let their little bit of their authentic self come out in those responses maybe, which is kind of my next question is balancing, you know, being authentic and saying what's true to you in conjunction with having a strategy and maybe content pillars or things that you want to talk about as a creator. How do you broach that when you're talking to people Or talking to me, let's say, I love football, I love the Minnesota Vikings, but it's not anywhere on my feed, Mm -hmm. right? Even though it's authentically part of my, you know, part of who I am, how should people go about figuring out what to talk about with regards to content pillars, if you believe they should do content pillars at all?
0: Yeah, I totally think that you should. I think that you need to be known for providing value and expertise in something that can shift but you shouldn't talk about like 20 things at once. That all still applies on social. That's super important. I don't think that you necessarily need to pick a niche, but you definitely need to pick general topics of things that you're going to be talking about. The way that you bring yourself into it is it's also kind of a personal journey, how much you want to share online. Like I don't share a lot of things on purpose because there's just things people don't need to know about me. But the things that I do choose to share, I do it intentionally because I know that it motivates me through certain parts of life that I know that my audience also needs motivation in. So like, you know, transitioning, i like I transitioned from freelancing to being ahead of content. You know, now I have a side business. There's lots of like transitions and figuring out how to overcome these obstacles that goes into that. And when you share kind of personal stories or anecdotes or struggles with people It kind of helps you form a connection. Like, that's why I love storytelling so much. Is there's only so much like how to do this content that we can all absorb in a day. Like, it's just absolutely exhausting and it's everywhere. But what really can stop you in your tracks is when someone says, Hey, like, I'm going through this thing. I'm not telling you about this because I want your sympathy. I'm not telling you about this and making it just about me. Like, it's like a, a shared conversation in a story. So, you say I'm going through something, you know, you're probably going through it too. Like, here's how I'm dealing with it. You know, wondering how, how you're dealing with it as well. And then it opens up this conversation. I did this the other day. I think my hook was something like, I have a really complicated relationship with writing and I bet you do too. And I was just sharing that like, it's hard. It's exhausting. And some days I absolutely do not want to do it, but I'm so glad that like I have this in my life because it makes me feel good. It's just kind of those things where, it's in my pillar, but I'm not teaching anyone anything. I'm just opening up a conversation. So that's my version of being authentic. Like I'm, I'm just being me and I'm sharing something, but I'm not saying, you know, like last night I watched this Minnesota Vikings game and like it was fucking awesome. And I had 10 beers and then like I sat down a little bit drunk, actually probably wasted after that. And <laughs> you know, like cried for two hours about how I've got a complicated relationship with writing that is a completely different setup to a story that like nobody gives a shit about. Nobody cares about that backstory. Like you guys are not my friends, you're not my family. Like, yeah, we have relationships that we can take offline and get to know each other, but like there's a line and crossing that line too often, like no one cares. Why would anyone care about that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting on the storytelling side of things. I go, and if I look at, you know, bigger creators, they never have woe is me stories or I like the world's out to get me, but I push through they're usually telling either a story of one of their customers or they tell a maybe a universally known story or they tell something that's more interesting than than a hero's journey and then they apply it. They give the lesson pretty, you know, it's like hook, story, lesson, 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 lesson. <laughs> and and I see that that gets through a lot easier or maybe I, at least I interpret it a lot easier and you can see by the metric, it's, it looks to be so too. I say that because with storytelling, a lot of people hear oh, okay, I got to be authentic, I got to do storytelling. Mm -hmm. How do you view maybe like, you know, Donald Miller's story brand, stuff like that, where it's, there's not enough room for two heroes in the story versus positioning yourself as a guide. How do you navigate that with regards to maybe your own content, but also coaching people on how they frame their stories?
0: I think that a story should probably have, this is completely made up based on just my personal experience, maybe like 30%, Of of the word I and like 70% of the word you. I actually annotated that same post the other day and I counted like how many I's I had versus you. And it came out to kind of something like that. And I bet you if I did that with all my posts that I talk, tell stories in, it would be similar. I am but a vessel to help you. So like I perceive the audience as the hero. Like you guys are going through something. I have knowledge that can help you. And you know, but this isn't about me, it's about you. Like audience is everything. So I actually quit all of my personal social medias a couple of years ago because I got uncomfortable like sharing random tidbits with people. I think that if you're someone that doesn't mind oversharing and your audience doesn't mind it, like maybe that's okay. But especially if you are in a more senior position and like you're trying to build credibility and authority, I think the best thing that you can do is treat your audience like the heroes and you are this guide that has gone through things. And when you're telling a story... It's really powerful to explain, like I've gone through this thing, or I've had this revelation, or I've, you know, experienced this. And here's how you can take the I and like turn it into you learnings. So yeah, that's how that's my interpretation of that.
1: I like it. I'm reading this book right now, Art of Impossible, but he breaks down essentially like the time trade off between the reader and the and the writer or the person who experienced it. Mm-hmm. It's like a book might be 10 years of experience that you get for three hours. You know, a blog post might be two three days of work that you get for two minutes. And yep. it's like always framing on how can you make the time value equation really, really good for the viewer. Yep. I like that thinking. I love this, you know, the eyes and you's thinking it should be a lot more to you. It should be a lot more how am I giving value or using the story to just yeah, teach something. Now, on the technical side of things, I mean you have it's called the book of hooks, which is the in writers, copywriters, they love talking about hooks and they're very, very important. For somebody who doesn't know what the hell a hook is in copywriting, they're maybe a graphic designer or they're a CMO being like, I keep hearing everyone tell me we need better hooks. I guess one, what is like, what is a hook at a, at a foundational level? And then two, what is the book of hooks that you put together?
0: Yeah. So a hook is the first line, plain and simple, of anything that you read. But it can be longer than that depending on the platform or the medium that you're reading it on. Essentially... It's the piece of writing or the part of the narrative that makes you feel something or makes you feel inspired, curious, any of those emotions, and you want to keep reading. The hook makes you keep reading. If there's a bad hook, you're probably not going to keep reading. The thing the thing that drives me crazy about all the bros is they're like, you need to put like 90% of your effort into the hook and like 10% in the rest. I think that's insane. I think that you need to spend a ton of time on the hook and then you spend an equally amount of time on the body, because what happens is if you have a really good hook and you don't deliver on the promise or it's just absolute shit afterwards, then you've essentially written clickbait and you've over and underdelivered, And that's the worst thing that you can do with content. Um, and I think a lot of bro culture does that as well. But a hook is those first few lines. On Twitter, it's the entire first tweet. So there's 280 characters. On LinkedIn, on mobile, you've got one line. On desktop, you have, I think, three or four lines. And that's what people see before they have to click see more. So the reason why it matters so much is like people are scrolling at a rapid pace on social. Um, the same thing happens in blogs or you know, skimming and scanning things quickly. And if you don't give them a reason to stop, they're not going to. So if you've spent all of this time crafting this amazing body worth of work that you think is valuable and you get frustrated that not a lot of people are reading it, it probably has to do with a weak hook. And of course, the opposite is true. If you attract people with the most amazing hooks ever and you can't deliver, then your credibility is gone. So yeah, that's the first line.
1: Yeah. And anyone who wants to see this play out in like, go and watch your favorite YouTuber and mm-hmm. see how they've scripted things where they have their first three seconds, that's their hook. And then they have a bunch of mini hooks throughout their content. They mm-hmm. have re-engaging lines. They do value delay where they always put the, the carrot is always getting pushed 30 seconds further to build so much tension that you end up sitting around watching 10 minutes of somebody you know doing something, almost nothing, but they've talked to you. I try to learn a lot from that to apply to writing and be like, okay, where are my re-engagement Lines like how can I do some value delay or build tension and taking a little bit more of that technical you know side of things to the copy itself. Where do you stand on reusing content, like kind of recycling and reusing? Uh, maybe not word for word, but taking hey, you had this thread that went, let's say it did okay, you know, yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Do you advise people to you know go rework that, post it again if they believe in it, or or kind of write from scratch?
0: Yeah. So I used to think that that was lazy and I've done a complete 180 on that. I think it's absolutely mandatory that you do that, especially if you are writing every day or, you know, at least three to five times a week, whatever. If you're staying consistent, you are going to create so much content. It's insane. You have this bank of content. You've got people that are constantly following you, leaving you, coming back to you, forgetting who you are. Then the algo kicks you out of their feed for a couple months. Then suddenly you're back. You have to repeat yourself. I don't think you should copy paste word for word necessarily. Although I see a lot of really big creators that I actually respect do this like once a year. And I'm like, okay, you know, like maybe they've gotten another 30,000 followers that didn't see that. And it's a really good piece of content. So it's confusing because it's like your content... While it exists forever unless you delete it, like it's not like a, a blog where you can very easily go and find something from a year or two ago. Like once it's once it's a week has passed on LinkedIn or a day has passed on Twitter, it's kind of gone. So I think it's a shame not to. You're also gonna totally burn out if you don't. But yeah, Amanda Natividad, the VP of marketing at SparkToro, she posted something today actually saying, is it better to repurpose or remix? And she actually, I think her conclusion was it's it's probably best to put your energies into remixing because you've written these, this amazing body of work, you know, and, and you need to say it over and over again. Also, scientifically, when you repeat yourself, people are more likely to believe you on like the second or third time. So it's just an absolute waste not to repeat yourself.
1: And building off that too, you can repeat yourself with... A video on Instagram saying the same thing that your thread said with a graphic, with a quote from your blog post. With, I like to think of things as like a content tree where I have my topic slash point I want to get across. And then what are all the mediums that I can translate or take this point and go, mm-hmm. okay, it's going to be three tweets. I'm going to do the blog. I'm going to do a podcast, whatever. But yeah, totally like remixing and reusing stuff because to your point, otherwise if you had to come up with something fresh every single day, the burnout, it's not a if, but when. Now, Piggybacking off of that, how do you manage your time? You know, you're head of content. You have the side business. You're also creating content. Do you batch in a in one day? Do you do a little bit of writing every day? What is your method for creating?
0: I don't batch. I probably need to start batching because it's getting harder, especially now that I've got kids. But I really love the creation process, and I like feeling fresh and passionate about the thing that I just posted as opposed to batching and scheduling it and then people are engaging and I'm like oh yeah I forgot I even posted that whereas if I just wrote it and posted it like I'm probably gonna have like more valuable comments and better conversations but that's just me like some people can schedule and it's totally fine but I get my energy from feeling good about what I'm writing so I write it like I wake up at 6 a.m. because of the kids, not on purpose. I never wanted to wake up that early. Um, and then I take care of them for a bit and then I kind of sneak off for 30 minutes while my wife takes over and I'll try to get a post out. It used to take me hours and now I can I can probably get like a LinkedIn post out in like 30 minutes. So my morning is like content creation for social, engaging, like getting that kind of done. I'll definitely revisit it throughout the day, but like, I don't have to think about, okay, like I didn't get content out today. And then yeah, I'll go to work, do my stuff for work, do my stuff for my side business. It's all kind of intermingled at the moment. Again, like I'm thinking maybe I should probably batch it a bit, but I've never been someone that can follow a routine very well. So maybe the constraints could be an interesting project, but it's not my natural go-to.
1: Yeah. Batching is interesting I've done both. I just always find my energy and aptitude, everything, my levels are way higher in the morning. And if I'm trying to do a day where like, oh, today's my writing day, let's Mm -hmm. say it's Monday. Come 3 PM, I'm just going, like, I may as well just be hitting all the keys at once. It's making no sense what I'm putting down on there. And it's, I'm, I'm fatigued. So I do like spacing that out. Now people say this too. They say, go experience stuff in real life and then write about it. Right. (laughs) With work from home and, uh, which I hate. (laughs) I have so many things like those people say things and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. But okay. How do you like in a work, is your main job work from home?
0: Oh yeah. I've been doing that since since before the pandemic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I work from home as well. And there are times when I actually do feel I'm like, okay, I haven't, my, all of my interactions are happening on social, on Zoom, on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and I'm not actually getting out into the real world because hey these sweatpants they feel good and I don't want to get out of them Mm -hmm. now have you had anything personally where you're like okay I gotta get the fuck out of the house and talk to some people go to an office like I gotta go to cocktail hour I gotta do something did you have to like consciously think about that and schedule it
0: yes absolutely so like COVID ruined my social life like I'm sure it ruined everyone's social life and everyone obviously it ruined people's actual lives but I used to like have tons of friends and do stuff. And now I kind of don't do anything and it's just bad. So I do have to force myself like, okay, I'm going to text my friend like a week ahead of time and like make sure that I have like an actual lunch date on Sunday or something. If I don't do that, like I just won't find the time because I'm so busy on social and like doing work, which is like kind of embarrassing to admit how much time I spend on social, but like it's also growing my business. So It's just one of those things where you're just talking to people online all day. Um, Some of them have become good friends that I talk to on the phone a lot too. But yeah, for in real life stuff, I have to absolutely schedule things. Like if neighbors or or neighborhood things are happening, I'm like, yes, like I will absolutely be there. I will go because if I don't go, I don't know when I'm going to talk to anyone. Yeah, outside of my house. So absolutely.
1: It's good to get out what I found now. Like I'm, I'm forcing myself to do the same thing. I joined some like clubs that are not, you know, like I hate networking events, but I joined like a running club mm-hmm. just to be like, that goes for beers after what's like, okay, cool. We can just like do this thing. Gets me out of the house. Yeah, But you forget, I guess how nice and how calm people are in real life versus I feel like the shouting match that social can be, can take a toll mentally. Do you do anything using mute block, you know, or just kind of trying to tailor the algorithm mm-hmm. to make your feed a better place or like, Or do you find yourself pissed off throughout the day like, yo, fuck this guy and then go off on a, go and write a thing? Like, how do you balance your mental health with social and working in social?
0: Yeah, I've definitely muted a lot of people. I haven't done the mute words thing because I like to keep an eye on what the bros are doing just because I'm curious and like I've built a bit of a a brand on like not doing what they do. So keeping up to it is sort of (laughs) research. But I used to get really annoyed and like comment on their stuff or if they commented on my stuff I'd be like ah and we kind of get into it I sort of stopped doing all of that because you just reach a point where you're like what is the point of this like I think when you're new in a place and you see something that you don't like you want to change it when you've been there for a while you sort of realize like this is a pick your battles this it's it's just like life like you have to pick your battles I'm not going to stop the bros like I'm not going to you know make feminism main, mainstream on Twitter like it's not going to be be a thing. And that's okay. Like, I feel like I found my people at this point. So my feed is actually pretty good. Most of it is filled with like, good, nice people that aren't doing douchey things. But yeah, you just gotta like, you just gotta let it go. But I respect the drive of newer people to the scene that are like, fuck this, because that's kind of just how it works, right? Like you play your part, and then you pass the baton. So I feel like I've, I've sort of passed the baton a bit. Like I don't I don't have any interest in messing around with these people. I've got businesses to build kids to raise, like just Someone a bit, I'm a bit fresher and younger can handle it.
1: <laughs> yeah, the real life things to to do, right? Like on the on the back of it. I, I find in just one note on that, like the mental health, or like or not even mental health, but the I guess calling people out. And what I, I really like about what you've done is whenever you call people out, you then give alternative path and an alternative way. Because I personally, whenever like it's easy to also become labeled if you're just a person who's complaining without giving an alternative it can come across as, you know, not your feed, but other people can come across as like whiny with no oh, alternative. Yeah. And then I'm like, Literally. I'm like, Oh, this is just, I hate all of this. I hate, I I don't like the initial content. I don't like the whining underneath. I'm like, I just need to block the whole thing. So then I'll end up just muting or blocking the whole thing. Yeah. But I do like when there's actually, you know, that's bullshit. Here's what to do. One, mm-hmm. two, three with some specifics. So I, I do appreciate that you do do that. Um, I
0: mean, that's the best way. I, like if you're going to make an argument, you should support your claim. And nobody likes whiny people in real life anyway. Social is just real life. Like, do you go around meeting people that you don't know and just like whine to them and complain all the time? Probably not, like maybe, but hopefully not. So it's just the same on social.
1: Yeah, it totally. Well, Erica, before I let you go, let people know where they can connect with you online and where they can grab some of the digital products that you have.
0: Yeah, so the best place is to join my newsletter if you are not totally over newsletters yet. I try to make mine as valuable as possible and worthwhile. So it's poweryourplatform.card.co. Card Card is spelled weird. It's um, C-A-R-R-D. So poweryourplatform.card.co with two R's. And in the footer of the email that we send twice a week, you'll be able to find my digital products. I've got a a course on how to grow authentically on social and how to write well. I actually, I had the Book of Hooks products, but it's currently not there because I just launched um, kind of like a remix of it with my friend Rob Lennon to like bring AI into it. And then we have an hour long video showing how you can edit the output through an editor's lens, because personally, I would never have AI do my writing for me. But if it gives me an okay first draft and saves me time, great, but you need to know how to edit it. So that's live at the moment. I'm not sure if it'll still be up when this comes out. It's called the hook done writing hooks bundle, but it'll be up again around Christmas and I'll pop it in the footer. Of my email, so those two things right now, and then I've got a cohort coming up in November as well called Platform Launchpad, and I'm doing that with my business partner Casey Jones, and it's all about how to not just grow an audience, but if you're an entrepreneur, which is our target audience, then how can you like build your business online, actually reach those clients that are going to pay you good money? So
1: awesome! Yeah. So go. We will put links to those in the show notes, but go get on the newsletter, check out some of Erica's products and at the very, very least, give her a follow on X and uh, LinkedIn. Erica, thanks so much for coming on today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Hit those like, share, subscribe buttons at the bottom of your podcast or YouTube app and I will catch you next time.